2: Buddy, We are back with yet the latest and always greatest and this time, Andy, I mean it because we've got a very special guest joining us on the latest edition of six rings and football things brought to you as always by your friends at WEEI Odyssey and 2400 sports, not to mention a various host and array of sponsors whose live reads and advertisements have played before this podcast afterwards and sometimes and on occasion in the middle of it on today's program we're going to take a deeper 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 dive into the 2023 draft class of the new england patriots talk with somebody inside the building the call is coming from inside the house with one of my oldest and longest friends of the new england patriots the gentleman who actually ascended to the throne once occupied by andy hart before he matriculated his way from one patriot place over to 83 leo m birmingham in brighton it's Fitz, it. it's Jumbo. and of course, it's, it's my guy, the Deuce, Mr. Pat's Propaganda, the creator of the 28-3 to 3 meme himself, Mike Dusso from Patriots.com.
3: What up, Deuce? What's up, my guys? Always good to talk to you. A little football time to check in after the draft. Excited. Deuce, I
2: can't tell you how many times since the last time we had you on the pod a couple months back where you... Introduced me, you indoctrinated me, if you will. You know, I taught you the magic in our more unfiltered days, working the parking lots, running the blogs about GFY, which the older we get, the more professional <clears throat> our responsibilities, children involved in the equation. We can't really just toss that around the same way we used to. But I got to tell you, three letter acronyms. I use SFG, serious football guy, so much now. It is like my favorite thing. Like uh, that's what I want to name. I want all the, the three of us to start a football network called WSFG for serious football guys. Only you'll be the, you'll be the vice president. Uh, Andy, what's your job going to be? Um, let's,
3: keep let's keep us straight. Think, I'm like the eye candy. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think, I think, can You're, we put Keon White in there? Because I think Keon White would oh be a my mascot. God. maybe, if we want uh, serious abso- football
2: guy. Andy, you'll be like the lead analyst. I'll just be like the Ocean State job lot version of Tom Bergeron, just like the generic host that's available for whatever, you know, we need to take us in and out of commercial. Like SF- WSFG is a real thing. And, uh, Deuce, will begin, uh, as a couple of SFGs, serious football guys in the room today, talking about the draft. Um, Everyone has had a chance to sit on it, review it, think about it. We've ruminated, meditated. We've seen the grades they've gone from. I've seen the Patriots finishing 30th out of 32 from some hard O at CBS Sports to mostly positive reviews of B's, B pluses, even a couple of A minuses. And the caveat to all of them seemed to be, I love the Christian Gonzalez pick. I really like day two kind of have no idea what the hell they were doing day three. So um, (laughs) now that you've had a chance to remove yourself from it a little bit, what were your highs and lows, the best and worst of the Pats draft 2023?
3: Yeah, well, I think with everybody I was with with you on Gonzalez. I mean, I think that was, you know, the kind of player they needed. I know everybody wanted that wide receiver, but it just wasn't that draft this year. I think you know, last couple drafts, if they hadn't gotten a wide receiver there in the first round, you'd probably be pretty disappointed. But I think Gonzalez, all things considered, to get him at 17, you know, he's just He's just so athletic. You know, I think that's what, I mean, there's been talk about, oh, he didn't really want to tackle that much. I'm like, you know what? They got plenty of guys in the secondary want to tackle. Okay. Like we need big athlete guy who can stick with the best athletes in the league. So um, Gonzalez, he's only 20 years old. So I think he's still got, you know, a ways to go in terms of his development. So I, that was a great start to the draft. And then I think from there, it's a lot of let's, we'll see, you know, I mean, I, I, I hate to be, you know, middle of the fence here on a draft, but I think you know maybe I'm getting a little bit. I don't know if it's jaded andy or if it's educated uh as you go through these more and more uh here inside the building and you see you know sometimes the guys you're most excited about don't really work out and the guys that you maybe sweep under the radar you don't really have much expectations for um that, that they, those are the ones that end up you know popping so um i i i, I love defense Keon white though I, I don't know i'm kind of on the fence of, of what what's going to happen with him um that was one pick where i just am kind of like maybe he comes in and maybe he's And every down defensive end early on stopping the run real tough on the edge and then he slides inside maybe he upgrades dietrich wise but i thought for a second round pick that was one that uh, i don't want to say i dislike it but right now i'm just kind of like i don't know exactly what how it's going to work out it could go either way for me so those are the top two i think to highlight things and then you know we get into the later guys hoping hoping some of those guys work out but i think a lot of those guys are flyers
0: so I don't I say this as a compliment in a way. I think this was a very simplistic draft for the New England Patriots. And yeah. I'm starting to wonder if Matt Groh is a very simple man. And again, I don't mean that in a bad way. The the quote he's best known for, surprise you guys haven't pumped out any t-shirts. Uh, if you want to get faster, you better draft fast players. If you want to get tougher, you better draft tough players. Like, I think he really looks at it that way and like if you want a number one cornerback, you better draft a number one cornerback. And if
2: if you want better athletes on your team, you better draft athletes. Because wasn't the RAS thing a big deal this year, Andy? Y-
0: yeah, I'm a little annoyed at that. We can go down that road a different day. Um, but, <laughs> like, he drafts a kicker because they needed a kicker. And he drafts a punter because they needed a punter. And Last year they needed a guard. They drafted Right, the guard. right. Th- because they don't. made the I, hole where yes. they needed the guard. So we don't need to go down that road. Oh, yes. um, but, and and for Keon White... I think that's a classic Belichickian second round pick where first round talent, but for whatever reason, the guy is available, blah, blah, blah. But if you hit on it, you got a guy that might have been a top 20 prospect based on his overall tools. But so my question really, though, is about grow. Do you feel because I do uh, do you feel like grow is kind of putting his stamp on this process? Like I, I thought he was pretty confident in his pre-draft press conference like sort of self-assured of his role in the process and the thing I found most interesting was when he said yeah Bill asks a lot of questions in the room and it's like hmm that means you answer the questions that means you're kind of a big swing and you know what in that room so just what are your thoughts on the Matt Groh era here?
3: I think that's a good observation and I mean and you know we here. At patriots.com put out, you know, some of those videos where we interviewed him at the combine. And I, I think you're totally right. He just has kind of a, the word I was thinking was self-confidence just about the process. He's been doing it for a few years now. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this class works out. Cause I think, you know, we were also high on that 2021 class and it felt like, Oh, this is, you know, Matt Groh is taking over and this is, you know, and, and that was kind of the same thing you're talking about. It was like, you took the Alabama quarterback right where where you probably should have taken him. You traded up for an Alabama guy. You got a couple Oklahoma guys. Right. Like it wasn't you know trying to zig when everyone else is zagging just to, just to zag. Um, so I, I like what you're saying, and I and I hope that it I hope that it works out that way. And I think you know I think you know you guys were talking before t- talking about the six round you know receivers and you know I, I like those picks. Like I, I think like and I hate to say like a six round can kind of change how you view the, the draft because I was just but it's. It is, they do feel like lottery cards. And I don't know if either one of them are going to hit. I think I'll be happy if one of them hits. And I think it's a need that they have. But I do think that there was a lot of paint by number. It was just that I think everybody looked at the offense last year and said, you know, this is the side that really needs the help. You didn't really get that immediate help. And, you know, I do think that defense was kind of, I don't want to say underratedly bad, but I just think how are you going to get over the edge that, <laughs> how are you going to get over that hump against the really good quarterbacks? And I mean, you, you haven't really seen anything the last couple of years with those front seven guys. So, you know, to your point, how many times are we going to run it back with Dietrich Wise, Lawrence Guy, Devon Godshaw? You know, it's the same thing. So to inject Keon White at the the front level, to, you know, see what we have with Mapu, with him, you know, as a linebacker safety, how that all works out, don't really know. And then with Gonzalez, you get guys at all three levels of the defense that I think, at least in theory, should be able to you know try to take you to that next level to get over the hump against those quarterbacks. So yeah, I'm I'm with you on Grow. I think he's you know taking ownership, but we'll see how this draft you know works out.
0: Fitzy, there's our movie poster for this segment. Patriots.com defense was underratedly bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a funny thing because
2: everyone league wide, anytime Bill Belichick is there, the specter of defensive prowess and greatness will always linger and loom over the team over Gillette Stadium. And last year, if you look at the team the offense was so glaringly bad, so historically inefficient, not only just for the New England Patriots, but overall in the 21st century, that it by default made the defense look better when in fact they couldn't come up with big stops against better teams in big games. Yes. So they did need to add more violence in on the front seven. They do need to add better coverage in the secondary, and they do need greater athleticism. And so I think they have addressed all three of those points. And I want to get to some other things that they... That, some other glaring needs as well that I would like to defend about the draft but uh, you know Andy Mike and I had a chance to <clears throat> uh talk with uh Matt grow a couple years ago we hosted a little Q&A oh uh, I just want to say that's the little Oh, but you always who's the first one to mention every week you know when I was doing TV the other <laughs> night. Blah, 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 blah. yeah don't 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 tear your bicep again reaching around to pat yourself on the back big guy <laughs> but um when we talked to Matt Grow, I remember deuce when you and i sat downstairs in the studio at the stadium for the streaming uh little post draft recap with matt grow in studio and then we talked to kyle duggar the two big takeaways were kyle duggar is all about football and that's literally all he cares about SFG. no wonder why belichick loves him sfg and <laughs> yes major sfg and how composed and intelligent Matt macro is like he is such like We've even played audio of him on the radio, like Belichick talking, and then Steve Belichick talking, and then Matt Groh talking, and you literally can't tell who's who. Like, they're clones of each other. But the guy knows his stuff. And I remember we were both so impressed with what he talked about with Josh Bledsoe, his high level of compete, always asking if he is a safety slash corner, could cover a number one receiver because he wanted the smoke, and how that impressed them. And I, I just think the draft is in such better... He's continuing to... Put his handprint on it, if you will, Andy. And he's getting quality football players. Like I really think the turnaround roster wise started in 21. We'll just wipe out 2020 altogether and the Asi Asi and Keen misfires. Thank God they got Duggar in that draft. And 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 Mike on Wenyu. And I think the change has really begun with them. And to everyone who, you know, like oh, a a little defensive heavy. Okay. But I think all three of us agree. Maybe the defense did have some glaring weaknesses last year in special teams. Anyone who wants to criticize the need for a kicker and the need for a punter just needs to watch the second half of the season. When a, the Polardi party, as Andy called it began and everyone was sad. They accepted the invite because (laughs) yards per kick went down. He wasn't as good at placing the ball. Uh, there were missed field goals by by Nick Folk, my guy, big kick Nick. Andy blamed it on polarity because he wasn't as good a holder. And the kickoffs, because Vizcaino wasn't, wasn't him, Nick Folk was on kickoffs. You were losing like 10 to 12 yards of depth on kickoff. That led to longer kickoff returns and multiple kickoff return touchdowns. Like these little things, when you're a team that is living on the margins, deuce, matter. And that's what bit them in the ass to me in the end.
3: Yeah, I mean, you just hope it works out. You know, I mean, drafting a rookie kicker and a rookie punter at the same time. I mean, are there going to be growing pains with those guys? I mean, we saw him take that kid Justin Rorwasser a couple of years ago. He didn't even, you know, make it out of camp. Didn't even look like he could really kick. Uh, not to he say that Ryland it. is or Behringer going to have that, but you know, they like Andy said, they kind of had the holes. They went, they filled it in the draft, and you know, you just hope that those guys, are, you know, are able to work out, that they're able to kick in the clutch. They're able, you know, and it sounds like they. You know, have all the serious football guy requirements talking to some of their coaches here over the last week or so. Um, you know, I talked to the to the Eastern Michigan coach who uh, who said Ryland like came out of the womb mature. <laughs> so I said, that sounds about right. Um, you know, so and then you know, I'd also throw in the, the you know the bottom two defensive backs who were also kind of special teams guys. You know, I think it's just a, an issue of balancing it. And you know, as bad as the special teams were, the offense was pretty bad too. And it mm-hmm. felt like the special teams kind of got more attention, or at least more immediate attention than the offense did. And uh, you know, uh, you know, Perillo, uh, you know, what Fred and him always say, Andy, of you know, don't pay attention to what they say, pay attention to what they do. And you know, for a large part, they're they're bringing it back with the offensive line. They're they're putting a lot on. Bill O'Brien to kind of come in and make this all work together. Um, again, you know, if Booty or Douglas works out, I think, you know, that's a, a need to have some speed in the, in the middle of the field. And I think Bill O'Brien could have some fun with those guys. But, you know, it's just a lot on him. And, and that, I think, is where the Patriots have to make up the difference. If, if the defense, you know, if Keon White doesn't come in and immediately con- contribute, um, you know, it's just where are we going to – and the other one thing I'll just bring up, too, that just kind of a lingering – two lingering thoughts on the draft. Surprised they didn't get a tight end. Like just how do you not with, with two guys on one year deals, neither one of them really an ideal blocker to not even, you know, take a take a swing on one of those guys. I know Gross said um that the party was 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 kind of you know going by pretty quick um with them and 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 then just you know defensive end with, with Matthew Judon. Like what happened I keep saying this all last season. What happens if Matthew Judon gets goes down? I mean, I just I just think their depth on the stand-up edge, guys, is just so thin. Are you expecting Uche to, to, to make another leap to, to play early downs? I'm not really, but you know Perkins, Jennings, these are guys who haven't played a lot and haven't played at you know, certainly the level that Judon has. So those are just two kind of lingering concerns, I think, coming out. How do you not get the tight end, and, and what happens here at, at outside linebacker if Judon goes down?
0: So I know you've heard this many times as I have. It's a mosaic, this, this roster building thing, right? And it's <laughs> yeah, never sure. done. There's still plenty of time to do more stuff. But plenty. in reality, I think – I mean, hell, we're seeing it. Everybody's putting out their roster projections like – this is pretty much the group you're picking from. This yep. is your roster, your your personnel groupings on various situations are going to come from the guys that we now know. We can go to Patriots.com, click. They are there. <laughs> so the one thing I will defend Bill on a little bit was the whole free agency. They went offense. They added at tight end. They added at tackle. They added at running back. They added at receiver. Could have been different. Could have split it more in free agency and then maybe drafted a little bit different. But putting all those together, James Robinson, I want you to talk about in a minute, just side note, because I love him and I think he's going to be a stud, Um, but he's He's motivated. He, how do you, how do you feel about the off season? Like we're now in May and OTAs are ticking up and we'll be at mini camps and availabilities. And how do you feel about the one to 90 roster that will turn into a one to 53? Do you feel better about this team? A little bit. Cool. And that and that's it. I mean, it's you know, warm. I I feel a little bit. About, okay, better about
2: And last broadcast here on WSFG. Thanks for tuning in to the Serious Football Guy Show with Deuce Hart and Fitzy. Gee. We'll talk to you later.
0: We bring you in for positivity because I, I killed this guy. I know. Oh, I'm sorry, you
2: ruined I, me, and now see what's going on, Deuce. I thought we were the Pats positive guys.
3: Well, I mean, and, and, and look, I gotta, I gotta. I gotta be honest. I mean, I you know, and I think for all the credit we gave Macroe, I mean, I I still think that the jury's largely out on last year's draft class and how much those guys are going to contribute. Yep. Um, you know, I I don't really know with with that whole class, and you know, now you add this class in. I look, I think with any draft class, it's hard to know, and and they certainly could have gotten a number of pieces that they needed. I think, you know, what they did in free agency is what they usually do in free agency, and generally, I think that that is a, a smart way to build a team. I think we saw in 2021 if you try to rectify all your mistakes. With free agency, you're going to overpay. You're going to miss on some of them. You're not going to end up filling the holes. The key is is the draft. And that's really what we've been pounding here. Of like, you know, how you got into this mess was the draft. And I mean, I went back and did like some stupid research last couple of weeks of just – Compared to the division, I mean, they've missed flat out missed on more guys than any of those other three teams in the AFC East. I mean, just flat out missed guys that just never have contributed anything. Um, And when you look at the draft results from 2017, 2018, 2019 for the AFC East, this is why the Patriots are where they are. So you know, do you feel better about it? I I think there's some potential there. I mean, I think there's certainly Christian Gonzalez. That's a huge piece you need. If Keon White ends up working out, you know, I, I think back a little bit to 90, you know, 96, 95, when they got, you know, McGinnis and Ty Law, and you started to really put those pieces into place that, you know, not only got you to Super Bowl in 96, but then formed a dynasty defense in the early 2000s. So, um, I guess the reason that I'm lukewarm is that I don't have high expectations for, for the free agents, not not to, not to knock them, just saying, based on what we saw, you know, maybe Kasiki comes in and all right, he's real or maybe James Robinson. He's the one that's really productive. You know, one of those guys should be I, I'm hoping one of the tackles is, you know, is productive and healthy and, you know, able to play Riley Reef, Are we, you know, are we counting on that? Are we saying? Calvin Anderson is now back and he's maybe an ascending guy. I don't know. That's, you know, it's, it's tough to really Trump Brown. Are we getting 17 games out of him again? I, I, all at a high level. That's a, that's another question. So just a lot of questions. And I think ultimately you want to boil it all down. I think last, the last three draft classes have to lead the way this year. And, and if they're going to like, you know, get over that hump, of being able to take down Buffalo finally, of being able to take down Tua finally, which you know they still haven't done, even with last year's win without Tua over them, uh, you know those are those are the things. I think these young guys, the Tyquan Thornton's of the world, uh, you know they need to step up and and really seize these roles and, and become the new core. I think that's that's ultimately going to be the key. But is it a one-year fix? Are the Patriots back? Are they pushing Buffalo in 2023? Based on this off-season, I I, I have to see it on the field. I don't, right now, I'd say probably
0: not you want to tell him what you call the uh, competition at right tackle? Oh. oh,
2: the oh the bum fight at uh, <laughs> it's a ho- <laughs> dude. It's a it's an absolute it's an absolute hobo alley fight between like McDermott, Reef, Calvin Anderson. I mean, it, my guy Stuber Stuba. could come. Like, oh, is that Stuber's music? Like, who knows? Like, the five guys. Who yeah. may not even get a chance to compete for like a practice squad job on some teams could all be competing for right tackle and swing tackle duties here. Who knows? Maybe there is another diamond in the rough, and they'll find somebody that you know would be Belichickian or as we now describe them, Bloom-esque, since he loves being a freegan and dumpster diving <laughs> for free agent players and value finds on his team. But uh, one question we've kind of knocked around for a while, and I want to just get your spin on it as well. Uh, This morning, I just wrote up a quick little blog for .com about the Athletic put together their all-22, their 22 favorite draft picks, and it was a mix of athleticism, value, and where they were taken. And they put two of the 22, or at least in terms of both sides of the ball, not special teamers, went to the Patriots. City Sal, fourth-rounder, because he may get a shot at tackle, which is impressive because he played there one year at Eastern Michigan. And also Marte Mapu, who everyone loves and thinks will be a classic Belichick cog. But do you think Deuce, when you look at this draft, did they draft for this year to truly compete? And I'm not going to say there's, they're, they're seeding 23 to the bills and, you know, first year of Rogers and jets. Did they really draft for this year? Or was this a, we'll do our best this year, but we're really in it for 24, 25 as well.
3: I mean, I think after the first round, you're always kind of, you know, drafting for the future anyway. You know, I mean, I think outside of Gonzalez, who are you really, you know, hoping plays every down? I mean, you know, you get to Keon White a little bit, but then the questions start in terms of, you know, then Mapu, how's he fit into all this? You know, there's certainly a log jam with safety linebacker hybrids. So, you know, how does he carve out a role, especially with the torn pec injury that, you know, could limit him? I mean, we, you see it all the time with these rookies. It's just unfortunate that Guys start out behind the eight ball. I mean, you saw it with, I mean, Harry didn't come in injured, but he got injured pretty quick. And then you just, you know, you see players like him, not to say that I think he ever would have, you know, if he had just been healthy those first couple weeks of camp, it would all work out when they kill Harry. But it's just so hard once you get behind the eight ball. So um, I I do think that there's an eye to the future, certainly on the defensive side of the ball where, you know, it's like I said, you've been kind of running it back with this kind of group over and over and over again. And, and you see when they go up against the really, really good teams, that just they they can't quite make that last play. Um, you know, one other kind of stat that I've just been mentioning a lot. They had a bunch of sacks last year. I mean, I think they were third or fourth in the league, somewhere, you know, close to 60 sacks. They're 21st on third down, though. So, you know, it's just a disconnect there for me that, you know, I think the defense, they certainly are kind of like the whole team is when they see blood in the water and it's a weak team and they get out and they get a good start and it's like, all right, gangbusters, you roll those teams. But you know, when it's a tough team, you get a bad start. You're in a little bit of a hole. Um, you know, I thought we saw a little bit of resilience there in the final game of the season. You know, how, how could you not with the circumstances and to start it off the way that they did. But um, you know, I, I just, I think guys like Mapu, exciting like hey i love watching him play certainly he's one of those serious football guys and um you know those are city sal and him were both guys that i wrote i'm writing profiles about so i've talked to their coaches in the last week or so um and you know mapu's just everything that the patriots love he's you know big he brings the thunder with his shoulder Mm -hmm. uh he loves watching film i mean you guys heard him when he got questioned it's like all he really likes to do is football he's not really have any other interest um and and as far as Sal, too i should i should just say i talked to his coach coach creighton who, yeah, he played left tackle his first year. And, I mean, he said, look, if we had two city souths on our team, they would have been at left tackle and left guard. And we just felt like, for us, getting him in the middle of the line to get that interior push uh, was the most important thing to us. So that's why he kind of ended up inside. So I do think that there's some potential there. I've heard, you know, maybe some comps to, like, Marcus Cannon. I don't – you know, we saw, Michael, and when you play a little bit of right tackle, but is he going to be a left tackle in the pros? I don't know you know, and it's, it's Trump Brown going back to the left side, not to keep this whole cycle going to questions, but right. that's how it goes
0: right now, you know? So we've talked about Fitzy and I, that Bill O'Brien might be sort of the most important person in the organization right now, because. Sort of. <laughs> yeah, okay. He is um, because of the job he has to do, fixing the offense on the field, the technical aspect, but also maybe being the go between between Belichick and Mac and salvaging whatever that relationship is. And just so many levels, but he's in a weird situation. In my opinion, I want Do you, in some ways, he can't, he's in a no lose situation because he's replacing arguably the worst offensive coordinator in the history of football. And I don't say that with any glee. Uh, Arguably? Okay. So he's the worst. I like Matt. I'm trying to be nice. Um, But on the other hand, because of that, I think people are like, well, they didn't make a lot of personnel changes. So if they're going to be significantly better, it's all on him. Like, so there's almost high expectations there that it's going to be tough to probably meet with no. Game-changing players or whatever. So what are your expectations for the impact that Bill O'Brien can realistically have? They're going to be better. They're going to be better coached. But are they going to be good enough? Yeah. Oh, and
2: Deuce, if I may add to, to Andy's question, there was that thing that came out earlier this week that said the Patriots offense is largely going to look like it did last year as well. <laughs> which I think caused a lot of people, Andy, to be like, what the? F-?
3: say it. I, I, I mean, I, I just, I struggle to imagine it could be worse than what we watched in training camp those first couple of weeks. I mean, and it was like, you know, I, have said it before, you know, oh. talking to Paul, like, you know, this are this, what, four years I've watched like all the training camp. Like I used to go to training camp, but you wonder like, am I really seeing what they're seeing? Like, this looks dysfunctional to me, but are they like, nope, we got all our work in we got what we needed. It looked fine to us. You know, I think last year proved to me that like, no, no, it was it was every bit as bad as as we thought it was watching it go down. And so from that perspective, I don't know how it could be that bad. Like, I just I have absolutely expectations that they're going to get out there and at least look like, hey, we, we, we practice with purpose. We're accomplishing things. It's not like, all right, now we're going to do. 10 minutes of wide zone you know it was like what like this is it like what are we doing so I I expect from that perspective that that people will be in better positions I'll expect them to be better coordinated right mm. like that's what a coordinator yeah. does the stupid pre-snap penalties like the the consistent mistakes like that are self-inflicted not knowing what to do not getting the play in all of those things I think have to be better and and then I think when you look at the the sum of all the different parts are there questions absolutely do they have that number one target probably not but do they have enough pieces to make an effective offense do they have some speed yes do they have some contested catch and size ability downfield and in the red zone yes do they have a couple tight ends that are a little bit versatile and could maybe cause some matchup problems yes do they have maybe some potential with some rookies with some quickness in the middle of the field to kind of dust off that old julian edelman west welker kind of you know position underneath you can't just run four verts every time which is what Outside of those two rookies, it appears like what they'd like to do between Gasicki and Parker and Thornton. Uh, you know, so I I do think that they have some pieces to be significantly better. I just I think the bottom line for me is though, is can Mac and can the offense be better than what they were in 2021 with Josh? Can they take a step forward beyond that? And I don't know where that's gonna end them up. I don't expect it'll be in a top five offense, but you know, can they be hovering around the top 10? and put up some points against against some of the best defenses, especially in crunch time. Those are, you know, it's almost like specific questions of, of how can this, are they going to end up at the end of the year, high rankings, all that? Probably not, but I think that they can be affected with the pieces if, if they're coordinated and they all come together at the right time.
0: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.